Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sex Sales Podcast, the podcast where a gaslighting, breadcrumbing, narcissistic, selfish, egomaniacal comedian talks to a wonderful relationship therapist straight out of Gosford. Oh, Her name is Eliza. Her name is Eliza. And this podcast oh. is sponsored by Crush Organic CBD Oil. Go to crushorganics.com, crush with a K, use the code Neil for 40% off. As we said in the last podcast, everyone, everyone's talking about CBD oil. It's all the rage. Don't get left behind. Be the cool kid. Be the cool kid that follows the other cool kids and get some CBD oil. They've got a wide range of CBD oil products. Uh, they've even got, they've got pain cream now. I think that's a new one they just released. So there's so many that's options good. available. Uh, crushorganics.com, crush with a K. Use the code NEIL for 40% off. And if you haven't used CBD oil before, make sure you just start off with a very, very small amount and uh, see how you go. It uh, has decreased so many people's anxiety. It's improved my sleep. It's just all-round positive effects. So get on that. Disclaimer, though. When Neil says, be the cool kid, um, he means adult. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm saying just, cool kid. As just a... don't, so you don't get sued by some parent <laughs> saying you got my child. Ah, uh, fair enough. Yeah, I don't think. I, yeah, I actually. Oh, I should. I don't know if it's. You can. I feel like we've done it a few too many times. But... Anyway, look at look at the oh, website. Well. Anyway, um, good point. Good point. Yeah, be the cool yes. adult. Yeah. That sounds weird. Cool adult. Ugh. Cool cat. Oh, that's cringe. Oh. Anyway, we'll figure it out and get to it for the next one. Do you think <laughs> you every know? trendy term or every trendy phrase eventually becomes cringy because too many people start using it? So cool cats yeah. was probably cool in the 50s or whenever they, you know, the cool jazz cats. I don't know. That's what, that's what, I, yes. what, that's what comes to mind when I hear cool cat. You know, um, my biggest turn off as a teenager and still to this day is when people say cool beans. And I used to, if someone, which surprisingly comes out a lot, and as soon as anyone said that to me on like Tinder, I'd be like, no, immediately, no. Like I will take a much bigger red flag <laughs> than the word cool beans. I just, because I feel like people that say it once say it all the time. That's my theory. Cool so, beans. Oh. Yeah, it sounds a bit weird. It makes me, it just gives me the ick so bad. Um, so rethink that. But unrelated, kind of, but not really. Don't, what was, don't um, give Eliza the ick. Don't say cool yeah, beans. Please don't. Someone will comment on this and I'll, I'll just get so I'll, triggered I'll say it at and the become end of the toxic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Someone um, commented on our ADHD video. You know how you always like, I'm a um, narcissistic oh, yeah. comedian. And she was like, Neil. Please don't talk about yourself like that. It's incredibly <laughs> harmful. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Wait, did she say it's incredibly hurtful or harmful? I think she said harmful. Uh, it's harmful to me that I'm, you know, saying that. Or I'm society. Things. I'm yeah. not sure. I can't remember. But I'm yeah. pretty sure it was well, harmful. It's just the truth. So I love it when people. I've been getting such nice, like comments and messages. Like a, a lot of love has been coming to us lately. Have you got any? Funny, funny ones. I got a really good one lately. Um, Tell me. Just recently, I got uh, someone who has come to a few of my shows. Shout out to Indy. Uh, she sent me a screenshot of someone she found on Hinge. 
and I'm going to I'm going to tell everyone their the bio oh that she has uh found on Hinge. It's pretty impressive. It made me feel really good. Okay. So I don't know how Hinge works because I was never really a fan of Hinge, but there are these prompts and questions and things. Yeah, you make like your profile with info and stuff right, about yourself. Or right. Or what you'd like. And, so I yeah. think one of these prompts is together we could and then you could yeah. just describe whatever you could do together. And this person has said, laying in bed on a rainy Sunday, listening to a podcast, probably sex sells. You bring me a cup of tea that has the perfect amount of milk. I love that. Everyone Indy. match this person. Okay, if you're in No, this is Indy's man. And Indy is gonna show him be like, well, oh, I'm all over this podcast too now, babe. Like he won't he won't be able to escape Indy now. We'll, we'll talk about Indy every podcast. So she'll be on his mind constantly. And if it's, a, it's it, gonna be it, love. Look at me, it could be it could be it could be a female too. We don't know. But either way, yeah. uh, oh, yes. this person Sorry. is in high demand. Because that is the that is the you know what can all of you put it uh, put our podcast in some it, look it's likely this person's listening to the podcast right now so whoever this person is message show me. yourself that's an amazing uh, <laughs> thing to, to 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 have in your whether it's a bio or prompt or whatever I don't know about Hinge but everyone who likes this podcast please put something in in your uh, online dating profile about it. And make it kind of intriguing. And you know what? I was just talking to Eliza before we started recording this one. That would make people interested. They'd yeah. think, well, what's that podcast? Especially well, if... who's this person listening to sex sells? Exactly. And imagine if you're swiping yeah. through and first you see that and you're like, oh, sex sells, what's that? That sounds weird. Oh, another person listens to it. Three people listen to it. Whoa, I got to check this out. So... For uh, half our ego and marketing purposes, <laughs> put it in your online dating <laughs> profile. Wait, we got. Hang on, I have a way we can make this beneficial for all. Okay, I don't okay. want to turn this into a cult, but what if? Why not? Everyone put it in their little bios. We on this podcast, we start saying, "Hey, Jack from Northern Beaches, Sydney." Put this in his bio, and then and then everyone starts intermingling together. Indy finds her lover. That person, that the original guy that had this in his bio. If yeah. it's not Indy, we will find you another lover, and we become cult leaders of finding love. That's, That's my dream. I I think uh, I'm down with that. I'm happy to be so a send cult us your matchmaker, evidence. which is what uh, old Indian women do anyway. So, <laughs> not that <laughs> well, old Indian people do anyway. <laughs> they match make for their kids. Uh, yes. So, uh, yeah, send send your evidence through that you've either done it or you found someone who's done it. And we'll try and give shout-outs to people who send those screenshots. I get a lot of message requests on Instagram, so maybe just when it comes send in my requests, well, yeah, either send them to Eliza or if you're going to send a request on Instagram, just put the first line as like hashtag sex sales or something or Sex sells, sex sells on Tinder. Bio. Yeah, sex sells bio or something like that. And then yeah. even then I might not open it. There's so many. <laughs> not to, not to, <laughs> not to brag, to <laughs> but yeah, maybe just send it to, to her. Um, but that was just so cool to see that because yeah, um, this person likes our podcast enough to put it in their dating profile. Ah, whoever this person I want to meet this person. Again, chances are Indy. they're listening. They're listening because and why? I want to know. Did Indy find this person more attractive after realizing you have a shared interest 
It's quite niche. And also this person is educated in sex, Mm -hmm. like relationship dynamics. Surely that is an attractive quality. So it benefits all really. Anyway, let us know Indy slash this other guy. Well, there you go, boys. If you want to, uh, you know, virtue relationship signal and say, look, I know about relationships. I know about, uh, (laughs) I understand the females of the world. You just got to put that in your bio because now that's going to become a thing that, uh, People are going to be looking out for. Imagine it. Imagine that as like a premium on online dating that people only will swipe to, to people who have sex sales in some way in their bio. Ah. We should start our own dating app. That would be not quite tech savvy, but then I can match make people yes. <laughs> based on your value. Anyway. Wow. The sex sales dating app. All right. If we ever get me big enough, be, make me enough money. Me match you based on what looks good together and I'll, I'll match you based on your childhood experiences. And, um, well, that will probably work then. Yeah. Those are two pretty major factors. Yeah. There you go. There you go. So, um, looking forward to seeing some more screenshots. Um, today, we're going to be responding to a topic from, uh, well, they want to stay anonymous. And uh, if you'd like to send in a topic or we have shout outs available as well, go to neilcolhacker.com slash podcast. All the money goes straight to charity. So, Uh, There's a lot in it for everyone. All right. So, caution. I've signed this message with a letter rather than my name due to the sensitive nature of what it contains. So, uh, what's the letter? B. Okay. Hi, Neil and Eliza. I've been listening to your podcast ever since it started, and I have to say I'm a massive fan. I love your in-depth analyses of complex sexual issues, and it makes my busy commute to and from work much more bearable. On top of this, some advice you gave in a previous podcast has helped my wife and I massively improve our sex life, our communication, our trust, and our honesty, which has also allowed me to accept some things about my sexuality that I've always struggled with. Oh, wow. Uh, I'm sure it was probably Eliza's advice, so thank you, Eliza. (laughs) On a previous podcast, Eliza mentioned an online anonymous sex survey where couples answer questions about their sexual preferences and kinks. The website then compare your answers in order to tell you what you both have in common. It turns out my wife and I both have a large number of things in common that we're both keen to try or found sexually attractive but felt too ashamed or fearful to admit it to each other. The survey allowed us to talk about those things which then opened up a floodgate where we started talking honestly about other sexual interests we both had. It turns out the shame and or fear we both felt was unwarranted. We both turned out to be open to, uh, open to hearing each other's sexual interests and willing to try most of them. I feel like I know my wife better than ever now and we're closer than we've ever been. The sex oh. is also some of the best I've ever had now. Amazing. Perhaps you guys could talk about strategies for couples to be more open and sexually honest with each other without fear of judgment. That's a, that's a good one, actually. Uh, that brings me to my second talking point. I've always struggled with a part of myself that I've probably been culturally conditioned to be ashamed of. I've always considered myself a straight, masculine man. I'm muscular in the military. <laughs> Last podcast, Eliza had a go Sorry at military men. Military so, I take it back, B. I love the way he you stopped, talk. <laughs> he stopped uh, listening. And, and then we had another question from um, someone in the military as well, didn't we, a couple of weeks ago? Oh, he was really sweet. Yeah. yeah I loved him. About TikTok and so stuff like that. Yeah. You've just uh, oh, I'm sorry. stereotyped Actually, every man in him. the military. They risked their I'm lives sorry. for us. 
And I know. And they you are. <laughs> donate to charity. I'm actually genuinely. I'm sorry. I love you both. Um, please okay. forgive me. All right. We'll continue. We'll see if the forgiveness is forthcoming. <laughs> okay. I've always considered myself a straight masculine man. I'm muscular in the military, work with my hands, and engage regularly in full contact martial arts. However, during these honest conversations with my wife, I admitted something to her that I've never admitted to anyone else. I'm very attracted to cis women, but one thing I've always struggled to admit to myself is that I'm equally attracted to trans women. I have no attraction to men or masculinity, but I find penises and vaginas equally sexually attractive as long as they're on a feminine woman's body. I don't think this is the fetishization that trans women regularly experience. I feel I do find a female body with a penis genuinely sexually attractive. However, as my only experience in this regard is with porn, I can't be 100% certain. Would I still be considered straight? Or if not, where does my sexuality fit in the many different categories that encompass the plus in the LGBTQI plus series of sexualities? And what advice can you give for anyone else who may struggle with confusion or shame about their sexuality like I am? My wife is 100% supportive of it, by the way. She accepts that part of me much better than I can right now. Well, you've got a, you've got a winner there. And finally, my last talking point. Porn. Before we get to porn, uh, can now that would be just still considered straight, right? Because I mean, it's it's confusing how much it's always being updated and 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 what the newest uh, thinking is. But yeah, if it's, it's that trans women are women, then you, you, yeah, you are still straight. Yeah. So right? there's surprisingly a lot of research that has been done on how men that are attracted to are trans tra- attracted. Um, or attracted to transgender women identify themselves and 55% identify as straight. There's another large percentage that just say, I don't know where I fit. Like, am I bi? Like, it's kind of like in that side that B is in, like where yeah. you're just not sure where you're sitting. And then another small percentage would consider themselves as bisexual. So majority it would consider themselves straight because trans women are women. Um, and I also read that... Um, some of them like to, if they would like to put a category onto it or fit into like a sexual orientation, that trans attracted is an, a sexual orientation. Um, so you can be straight and trans attracted or not, or just straight. Both of them apply. Or you can be bi if you want to be, if you're attracted to men as well. So bi doesn't mean just attracted to penis. It means attracted to men. So if you're not attracted to men or masculine um, features on a, on a male, then you're not bi. You're just straight oh, so, or trans attracted. So many. I swear, it, it changes every year as well. I, I just wonder, you know, you probably don't even need to categorize it. This is what you like and that's what you like. You don't, need a, you don't need a title. Yeah. Uh, it just yeah. is what it is. Uh, okay. And, my fi- mm. and finally, my last talking about porn. You've mentioned that porn is bad for you, brain, and causes issues when you finally do have sex. But how does this work if you and your partner watch porn together? That's a good question. Another thing that mm. I discovered is that my wife really likes porn and wants us to watch it as a couple. Would this still rewire my brain as though I'm cheating? Or does the fact that she'll be there and involved change how it works? Would my brain react more like we're engaged in group sex and therefore have less negative effects than if I'd watched it alone? Sorry for the long essay. I feel like these are some very good topics they certainly are for you guys to discuss. There would be many people out there who could benefit from advice about these three points. However, if you can only pick one, I would suggest strategies for sexual honesty and openness. That is the one 
that led my wife and I to talk about my confusion about my sexuality and my wife's interest in watching porn as a couple. Cheers, B. That's a great question. All three of them. So, yeah. Chronological. All right. Yeah, let's go chronological. So first, the openness and and frankness and and just, uh, you know, authentic communication Mm -hmm. when it comes to sexual fantasies and I guess my brain immediately goes to, uh, well, one, a lot of people might be shamed of their fantasies, but also people don't want to upset someone that is emotionally attached to them by saying something like, I'm, look, I want to have the threesome or I want to, you know, watch porn in case that person gets offended. And uh, a very sort of simple way to start that conversation is I think whatever your partner or whatever, um, someone who has a deep emotional and physical attraction to you may also be attracted to, doesn't say anything about their love for you. Uh, Mm. So Mm -hmm. I know that's sometimes easier to uh, preach than to actually practice, but I know there were certain things I wouldn't want to tell partners and I think partners wouldn't want to tell me because we didn't want to hurt each other's feelings. But if you're secure and if you uh, are comfortable in, in how attractive you think you are and and how your relationship is is going then i think you'll you'll be more receptive to hearing what your partner might be interested in and and, and, and if you're also comfortable with your uh, boundaries right i know that's a word that's also you know just it's it's it is probably an important one though but like if you mm-hmm. are secure enough to to still be you know open to hearing what your partner might be interested in, and then say look i I appreciate that you told me that and I'm glad that you feel uh, comfortable enough to say that, but I'm not comfortable doing that. That's also fine as well. There's nothing wrong with um, with saying that and then mm. the other partner shouldn't really judge the other person if if that's the case. So, uh, Eliza, you, you uh, take it away. I'm sure you'll have a lot more uh, complex uh, thoughts on, on <laughs> being sexually open with a partner. Uh. Well, first of all, B, I love you and your wife so much already. Like, you sound like a very saucy and communicative couple. It sounds like a really beautiful relationship. And I love that she supported you through that in something that you're not fully, you know, comfortable with yourself. So it sounds amazing. Um, the the surveys that B's talking about, I think there's two that I've talked about previously. One is the BDSM quiz. I think it's just literally BDSMquiz.com where you... Um, put through everything you're interested in and sometimes it could come out saying you're 98% vanilla or sometimes it might be you're 98% dominant or brat and it's very very specific there's age play there's animal play there's blood like any kind of kink it will have so very interesting to do that and see your results like I know in like the vegan community in Sydney that literally everyone is obsessed with this quiz and shares their results. Like I know at least I've seen probably 50 people's results. And I, I remember once I went to um, an, an, a vegan event. I know it's a bit cringe, but I did. And I hadn't, I didn't know that many people there. I knew two people and I got asked so many times, what's your BDSM like quiz result? Like, let me guess you're this. And it was interesting. Why, um, why so, do you think it is that uh, that community is also uh, so receptive to, uh, you know, this completely different thing? Like, you know, welfare well, for animals is highly different to uh, <laughs> sexual openness and exploring what many people would consider sort of wild sexual fantasies. What What is the correlation there? 
Well, for two reasons. The one, the first one is that I think that a lot of people in the vegan community are quite, I guess, progressive in their views and, and are strong advocates yeah, not just for animals, but for many other, um, you know, categories or, or it, a lot of them are also LGBTI or in those communities or everyone is an ally. Everyone I know in this vegan community in Sydney is an ally of LGBTI communities and things like that. So I think that that kind of goes hand in hand with that compassionate um, approach, but also I can make sacrifices for these, my beliefs, or I can be an advocate and speak loudly about it. The second reason is that there is a lot of like sexual tension around people in this vegan community. Um, and in particular, if anyone's asking, I'm talking about, there's something called Sydney vegan social in Sydney. There's thousands of people in, and they do a lot of like events before like pre COVID. And I know a lot of people, um, in it. I lit, I had housemates that were in it as well. Uh, we used to have parties and just, you just post it on this random group page and anyone can show up. Um, and it, there is a lot, there's so much sexual energy in it as well, which is really interesting <laughs> coming in to this and okay. seeing it okay. because it's such a, a niche and un, uncommon shared passion and interest. So it's really hard to find someone that is shares those exact right. same viewpoints, like politically and, you know, environmentally, socially, all those things. Like I know that I said this before, I had, would never have, no offense, swiped on Adrian's profile on Hinge until he messaged me saying, oh, you're vegan. And then I found out he was vegan and I was like, oh, no fucking way. I've just found a handsome vegan man. What are the chances of this? And then instant soulmates, literally we're soulmates. Um, <laughs> well, so, yeah, that's a, that's a, sounds like a fun community you'd be shocked to see <laughs> some of these guys that joined in had you know they were in their 20s i know one person had never slept with like or slept with one person or maybe was a virgin within like three months he'd slept with seven girls i knew like it's crazy um and this guy isn't a particularly like handsome or masculine or definitely not outgoing he's very shy and like what whatever but it's just the fact that they shared this very passionate topic in common that it's mm. people just want to have sex because of it. <laughs> Interesting. All right. Well, that's very. Uh, I've actually got a few things I want to ask about that, but let's de- let's. It's probably let's getting a bit away from, from the question. But if there's time so. at the end of the podcast, yeah. I have a few sure. things. Uh, uh, and definitely, my comedy brain is uh, arcing up. We'll <laughs> say that much, but. Um, yeah. Uh, what's the best strategy for couples to to communicate that? Because I would definitely be very wary of uh, saying something, uh, you know, very sexual and and yeah. a fantasy that may like any guy involve another woman, and then worried that my partner could get offended or something. So, uh, do you think honesty is always the best policy? There, what uh, what do you do? No. Okay. I don't. Um, so, <laughs> that, was very, that was very frank. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, the other um, the other serve quiz, which is probably the best one I would recommend, is we should try it.com, I think. And okay. it's literally you fill out like 100 pages of anything you're sexually in, interested in, and they do the same. And you can say, I'm open to this, I'm interested in this, I love this, or that's not for me. And your partner does it. And then it emails you everything you have in common only so 
if you said like, oh, I'm really interested in this and they said I'm not, they wouldn't know that you're really interested in it. It's only everything you have in common. So that's, that's a good kind one of, then. and it includes that I'm open to this or I'm accepting of this part as well. So like, you know, likely for B and his wife, maybe she'd put, you know, it's not something that she necessarily fantasizes about or desires, but maybe she put, I'm open to hearing about it or I'm open to it. So that kind of open up that dialogue. So it's a really good um, tool as well and fun. And like using those, even just board games are so like that, like name one desire. Like there's so many monogamous is one. Um, but in terms sorry, of sorry, the board game is called monogamous. Monogamous. Oh, yeah. Okay. And the, it goes by like <laughs> levels. So you can, I tried to play it once, but Adrian is not a fan <laughs> these kind of games so have someone that is comfortable with that if what um, what do you do what is it how does the game work well you roll the dice and there's three categories and it's it's like intimate passionate and hot or something like that and one is a question so it might be like what's secret fantasy or what was the best time this happened or what's the sexiest part about my body those kind of things and then there's like um uh like the in-between, it can be like a really saucy question or it can be like a little action, like kiss for 10 seconds and whatever. Oh, and then, okay. um, then there's like the really, the hot, like the top tier level where it's like a very, you know, intense action. Like basically just have sex for 15 seconds and then stop or do a strip tease, those kind of things. So this board game, have I had bought it. Have sex for 15 seconds and stop. Yeah, because you've got to keep the game going. What if you get that on your first roll? It just sounds frustrating. <laughs> yeah, well, that was <laughs> that was Adrian's very perspective. He's like, I don't get it. We can just have sex. So I was like, fuck, okay. Um, so I this board game, though, has gone around every single friend in my circle, and they love it. So, well, there <laughs> so you go. it can be a lot of fun for some people. But uh, my, I know my mum listens to these podcasts, and now I'm stressing. <laughs> well, yeah, but isn't your, you've Sorry, also mom. said a few things about your mum, so... <laughs> Yeah, true. She deserves it. (laughs) (laughs) My mum met um, Adrian's mum like two weekends ago. Our parents met and she referenced some of the things I was talking about, about my sex life in this podcast that she'd heard to his mother. So (laughs) How did that go? What did uh, Well, the thing is that she was referencing wasn't even right. Because I don't know if you remember once, I'll be really quick with this, but ages ago I said I had joked to joked keyword oh, the, the 200 thing that i'd slept with 200 yeah, men yeah, yeah. um and just to see what adrian's reaction was and he fully was accepting just assuming that would be something that i've done and anyway right. my mom listened to that put it in my group chat with my entire extended family and then told adrian's parents that oh she slept with 200 men and i was like what this is the first time you've met them and what, i haven't met them that many times either what did <laughs> so, um what did adrian's mom say they didn't, she didn't catch on to what mum was talking about because mum was being a little bit cryptic. She was like, 200 men. And then her, his mum was like, and I was like, inside joke, irrelevant. Don't worry. Ah. Ignore it. <laughs> <laughs> She's such a bitch. <laughs> ah, that's hilarious. I don't know. That actually what? sounds like you've got a very good relationship with her, though. Sounds like you're yeah, kind of yeah, she's, like mates. Well, you can see why I am the way I am. Like, she's a bit open and like, mm. you know makes a lot of sense um but and adrian's parents are really like sweet gentle quiet people so that might have been a bit confronting but um <laughs> we'll soon see 
Um, anyway, so those things like that, if you don't want to have a straight up discussion, but want to gauge it are really good. But even just having a really upfront conversation in terms of should you acknowledge or inform your partner of everything that you find, you know, sexually gratifying? I don't necessarily think you have to. Yeah. Yeah. Because desire does not equate to something that I want to act out. So B might be sitting in a place of confusion. Maybe he does want to act out and that's fine. But often when we have these kind of like kinks or whatever, it is just through porn. So like think of like so many women are into watching bukkake or like gangbangs and stuff like that. The amount of women that would actually want to participate in that, I think would be very minimal in comparison uh, yeah so, so so the fantasy and the sort of adventure and the journey that m- you may go through mentally and psychologically yeah. is not necessarily something you want to act out and i suppose that relates to then his third question which is uh watching porn together as a couple uh mm. you know just just by doing that it doesn't mean that i think that is well Again, you could probably you you probably have a lot more to say on this, but it 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 sounds like that's very different to just watching porn sometimes two to three times a day and and wiring your brain to only be aroused when you hear the Pornhub music and <laughs> going through this internal arms race of what you can actually get aroused by. Whereas if you watch it as a couple, it's a it sounds like it's a could be quite fun and and if it's done occasionally, I mean if you the only time you can have sex with each other is if you're watching porn. That maybe sounds like it could be an issue, but but then again, maybe it's not. If it, if it works for both of you, then good on you. But uh, if both parties are uh, happy to do it and and sort of re- reciprocate, re- they reciprocate that interest and and they're both excited by it. It doesn't seem like there's an issue. But mm-hmm. what do you think? Yeah, I agree. Like I think that. We, in our podcast about porn and what we're talking about porn is very much based on this like perspective that porn's really unhealthy for your brain. Don't watch porn if you can avoid it, which, you know, I still stand by based on there's so much study and research and factual evidence to how porn impacts your brain. Um, There's so many chemicals that are released during porn um, or watch engaging in porn. There's dopamine, there's, there's, um, oxytocin, vaso, vasopressin or something, serotonin, mm, endorphins. And then Not and the then, new one, but it's not one people talk about. Anyway, yeah, sorry, Yeah, and vasopressin is the thing that it like changes your cells and binds you to something, which is where they're saying you create that bond with porn when it should be with a partner. Um, and then there's this other one, I never know how to say it, noepinephrine or noepinephrine or something like that. Something complicated. It's a very long word. Sorry, I can't say it. But it's really like it's put your body in high alert being like something's happening. I'm about to achieve something like that victorious feeling. Um, Mm. So there's all these kind of things that basically are saying that it's it's the same as drugs. So the more you do it, the more you engage in it, the, the more your reward center is impacted and therefore you need more to fulfill it. And when you think of how much chemicals are released during, like that I've just listed, that are released during the engagement of watching porn, in comparison to sex, there's least chemicals that are released during sex. So sometimes what they're saying is that if you watch porn, it will impact directly your sex life because 
there's a limited or less amount of chemicals that are being released, it doesn't feel the same, then your body from watching porn is like, this is what mating feels like. And then when you're actually mating, it's it's not having that same effect. And there's a million of other things to talk about porn-induced erectile dysfunction, blah, blah, blah. So I was fully prepared to go on this, <laughs> this rant um, about porn and there's heaps of um, studies, like new studies that I hadn't talked about last time about, um, for example, just one, I said one 2018 study checked in with couples every four years between 2006 and 2014 and found that relationships in where one person was watching porn were twice as likely to get divorced. But then (laughs) I saw this other, which I think is going to answer your question. It said there's multiple studies on people in relationships have found that watching porn by yourself is associated with less relationship satisfaction, less intimacy, and less commitment. But when couples or where couples watch porn together, they actually have similar levels of relationship satisfaction, intimacy, and commitment as couples where neither watch porn. So if you watch it together or neither of you watch it, you both have the same level of satisfaction whereas if one of you watches it and one of you doesn't you don't have the same level so watching it together appears to be healthy wow Um, (laughs) so if if your girlfriend's mad at you for watching porn you've got to just say look you got to join in with me and we'll be fine (laughs) good luck saying that (laughs) good luck yeah be careful breaching that but Um, that's very interesting and i feel like then because you're actually sharing an experience it's a, it's a sort of mutual bonding exercise yes. you're not then releasing those chemicals with this digital entity that isn't even conscious you're releasing yeah. those chemicals together and you're then well ostensibly just bonding with each other as well through yes. this shared experience but and you have to be a, like careful in how you do it yeah of course you can't just have it in your in your hand while your girlfriend's giving you head or something yeah. like that it's disrespectful yeah. in my opinion Oh, of course. Yeah, I've never, do- I've never done it. I know most, a lot of people actually have done that. So I don't, I yeah. don't know. Have you, I don't know. Have you done it? Do you want to? If you want to talk about it, I've never done that. Done what? Watch porn together? Yeah, as a couple. No, no, I haven't because I talked about this. I think almost recently, but I knew, um, or I still know, still know, a couple years ago that told me when um, they were they started living together and they started watching porn together to try something new. Yeah. And then a year later, basically what happened was they couldn't have sex without the porn. They'd become too reliant on it. Um, Mm. They really struggled getting desire uh, separate to porn. So they relied on that to become aroused. Um, And then if porn was removed, all of a sudden he couldn't get an erection. She was just not like, you know, getting turned on and it really took them so long to rebuild a sex life without porn okay. afterwards. It took them another year separately. So that to me was enough to ever be like, I'm not going near that because what Fair happens enough. when your brain thinks this is, you know, I've done this and I'm sexually aroused. When you think of something like it's, it is kinky to watch porn with your partner. So the sexual satisfaction you can get from that is, is higher probably than just normal sexual satisfaction and your brain when you start to engage in sexual activity thinks okay the last time i had the highest amount of sexual um satisfaction this is what i did and it's going to want to repeat that 
every single time. Yeah. So my it's word a of drug. caution. <laughs> yeah, it's just like drugs. Just do it occasionally. Well, <laughs> I don't mean to okay, say yeah, that. It's not the same, exactly the same as drugs, but it has the same sort of neurochemical properties as yeah. drug taking. Where in small doses. If you right. if you're doing it too much, you may become reliant. So if it's a sort of and and, and I don't think just porn would be that. It would just any sort mm. of. Extraordinary, uh, you know, heightened sexual experience that you may be having with a partner can then have a lasting addictive effect wherein, you know, that becomes the norm and you need a certain level of sexual stimulation to even just reach a base level of arousal. So Mm. you'd have to be cautious with uh, toying with these sorts of things and even um kinks and and bdsm if you do it every night you'd probably get bored of it so you'd probably i'm look i can't back this up with studies like eliza is here but i'm just i'm totally just speculating i just i'm just guessing any of these sorts of things are exciting because they're rare and they're out of the ordinary and they're Mm. as a result that's what creates the excitement so if you're going to do it every single week well then that just becomes the norm and you'd need something more to to achieve the excitement and 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 it would have addictive properties in many ways so uh if you are going to do this sort of stuff which sounds pretty healthy if you do it at a moderate level um well most of from what b said anyway uh i would just be wary of of not doing it too often and keeping it as a yeah. sort of special occasion or something like that Yeah, I agree. The brain loves to repeat behaviors that it found enjoyable. Um, And it's very hard to turn yourself away from that. I think I saw, I don't know if it's, I cannot remember if I saw this on a video, if it was someone I know that told me this, but recently um, I came across someone, a woman saying that when she'd had sex with a guy, he had to go to this girl's Instagram page to get doing the gesture. Yeah, I know where you got <laughs> that get, from. You got that. You know TikTok? how I do my. You know how I do those every week. I do those anonymous answers. <gasps> was that where? It yeah, is? yeah. Oh, I said, "What was your weirdest yeah. sexual experience?" And then all these people sent in these. So oh, follow me on Instagram so if you don't already. And then, good. Yeah, yeah. Th- this girl said I uh, found a guy on Tinder and he couldn't get hard. So then he pulled up another girl's Instagram. Yeah. And got, oh, oh. Damn. That is yes, brutal. That's it. And yeah, that <laughs> exactly. That, thank you. Oh, that was gonna kill me. Yeah, what and a story. The thing is, though, is that this guy has probably <laughs> the last five times, or plus maybe more, has been you know habitually jacking off to this girl's Instagram that he can no longer get aroused out of. So it's nothing to do with the girl that you know from Tinder. Sorry if you listen to this. Um, and we <laughs> bring in a, a raw topic again, mm. but it's nothing to do with her. It's just that he has become created a habit of sexual attraction on arousal equals this action so very interesting yeah yeah um, your brain will wire uh, itself to whatever is the norm when it comes yes. to sexual arousal and attraction and that's that's the main reason you don't want to watch porn because it's so it, it's so good i mean like you look at it and it's like jesus christ this just really plays into any fantasy you could possibly want so uh, it is really. It's a it's a poisonous chalice in that way. You gotta you gotta not be tempted by it. It's it's yes. it'll, it'll get you. And I'll I'll tell yeah. you that from personal experience. Okay, it'll yeah. 
it'll just hook you in and you won't realize. You think, oh, I'm a bit stressed today. I'm just going to relax by watching a bit of porn. And uh, no, don't. Just Making don't. Just, just, just <laughs> fantasy. Just, you can jack off, but just think of something. Don't watch porn. Or listen to like an audio. Like I know that on Reddit you can find something for anything and I know there's a lot mm. of things about like there's audio files on there that you can get for free or anything like that and listen to people talking or moaning. I don't know. Um, I swear to God when I say I literally don't know this, but it's something you that, you know, explore. Yeah, like I can't remember what it's called. Mm, there's a, a subreddit I've heard about and it's like um, uh, instructions for coming, for example. <laughs> And it's for Damn. men that have a particular kink on being, I think it's like ha- how how to come or like do this Interesting. in order to come, things like that. And they so they listen to it and that's their like kink. Okay. And, I, so, and, and also to just uh, come back to B's point here, I guess uh, we. it sounds like Eliza and I both have a pretty negative view of porn generally, but yeah, what that study yeah. Eliza spoke about with the, couples watching it together that's really interesting and i think that does change the context a lot because if you're having a sort of shared experience together and and you're receiving that chemical hit together that can actually be a a a bonding ritual well i don't know about ritual but it can be a bonding experience (laughs) and as long as you don't do it all the time and you don't have to depend on it and you don't become reliant if you're if if you do it um you know in moderation Sounds mm. like it could be very uh, exhilarating and, yeah. and fun. There's nothing in the study that that talked to if it still has those negative impacts on your brain. It only spoke to it doesn't negatively impact your relationship when okay, um, most of the time. So just keep that in mind. But while we're on the topic of um, you know sexual attraction and and desire. I just wanted to actually mention, it just popped into my head that someone messaged me recently about something I had said a few podcasts ago. I mentioned something about um, asexual people not having sexual desire. And this person has corrected me and said, it's not that asexual people don't have sexual desire. It's that they don't have sexual attraction. And so it was an interesting reflection point on how one word or language can really be um, important for certain communities. So I just wanted to clarify that as well because I don't want to miseducate people. Um, mm, well, so, I mean, look, look, the intentions were not harmful there, so I don't think... Yeah, and that's obviously. They're, they're pretty yeah. related <laughs> words, but sure, I think that's something to clarify. Um, let's go into his second question here, which is... Yes. Uh, the juicy part. The, yeah, the the he's attracted to trans women. Uh, nothing, you know, in this day and age, nothing to be ashamed about. In fact, that's quite politically correct now, if anything. Um, the problem <laughs> yeah, is exactly. if you're a straight man and not attracted to trans women, then you're yeah. apparently transphobic. So um, <laughs> I actually have, uh, well, okay, so uh, there's people I know someone I may know or may not know who is a very, you you look at him and, you you know, very masculine sort of guy and uh, Mm. very uh, fits that stereotype. Like it sounds, sounds like B does too. And he has a similar thing. He's, he, he loves uh, 
trans women and, and he'll mm. pay for trans sex workers and he does actually come from a religious household. So I, I'm not mm. sure if he, I haven't really spoken to him at length about it, but all our mates know about it. And I think there's another one in the friend group who's also a bit into that. It's very so common. It's quite common. Yeah. yeah. And it might be even more common among like more masculine kind of guys. So yes, it, I have something not Freudian to put you in a box. But I have absolutely seen this many times with military men being trans attracted or um, have, you know, being into cross-dressing. Really interesting. Um, And there's a few reasons for that. So there's actually a lot of different reasons why someone can be um, trans attracted. So I tried to kind of get into like what is the psychology behind it. And there's so many studies on it. So you can you can look at these studies. There's, there's I want to say there's millions, but it is actually something that's quite well researched because it is very common. Um, and I want to like put at the top of this. I already said it, but that if you as a you know a heterosexual straight male cisgendered, so cisgendered means you identify as a male and you were born with a penis, or identify as a woman and you were born with a vagina or vulva, whatever. Um, and if you are a, a heterosexual male and you are dating a transgender woman, you are still straight. Um, and um, what was kind of hurtful in these studies is that often some of them provided the voices of people that um, that are into are trans attracted, and they always referred as the transgender females in a he um, in a he. Uh, pronoun which I thought was interesting and I actually copied and pasted one so like when they were interviewed why they attracted um, and basically a lot of the people were saying uh, if there's anything masculine about him I lose attraction it has to be fully like feminized beautiful woman in front of me and yeah, and well, some of them were very interested in the penis in particular, and some of them were like, I don't even want to look at it, but I still like knowing that this person is transgender. So basically what came out of every study is there's three categories that is very, is really, really common um, for it. So if you're interested in the actual studies I read was – maybe I'll just link it or, or something because there was a few – but I highly recommend reading an article or it's a study called The Role of the Illusion in the Construction of Erotic Desire. Narratives from heterosexual men who have occasional sex with transgender women. Such academic, um, such unnecessary esoteric language there. It was Just, so long. Like, I know. You don't have to. The, all those... That's half the reason comedians make fun of that so much. It's just you don't need such academic... Uh, abstruse language to describe that. <laughs> I know. But anyway, go yeah. on. Yeah. So the three most common reasons across multiple studies I looked at. The first one was this individual is attracted to a person or group of people that just happen to be trans. So, uh-huh. you know, I'm interested in this woman. Oh, she's got a penis. Well, I'm still going to date her and then be into that. The second one was attraction to trans women because of their challenge to traditional gender binary, in which case political or philosophical desire motivated sexual attraction. So um, basically the fact that this person goes against the wow. norm. So we're getting to the um, point where people are attracted. Well, I guess that would have, I'm sure that would have always occurred, but we get where people are attracted to someone's, what they embody politically. 
Yeah. Wow. Well, it 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 makes sense because a lot of research actually says in just sexual desire, like in general, is that desire well sexual desire is the product of uh um of socialization and and, and society and cultural norms so mm. going against that can is a taboo it's just like kink it's just like people that are interested in you know sp- very specific or niche areas because it's not it's not common it's not normal anyway So the third reason was an explicit interest in the trans body, a trans woman, physical appearance and attraction to eroticized femininity or hyperfemininity, which I found to be the most common reason in all the studies is that it's an interesting as well, knowing that the dynamic is usually very hypermasculine males. And what, what is different between a transgender woman and a cisgendered woman is transgender women, you know, it, based on their oppression and violence they face daily, really put in so, typically, put in so much effort to be passing as a woman. So they've got the boob jobs, they've got the big lips, they've got the makeup, the really long hair, they dress glam, they, they wear high heels. So it's that hyper-femininity, which is attractive to a hyper-masculine male. So... But, but that why, may not even be about a penis. <laughs> but there are plenty of uh, cis women that are also hyper-feminine yes. in that sense. So what do you think it is uniquely about trans women that they're unique, that they're specifically attracted to? Do you think, I mean, this is purely just uh, me speculating yeah. here. I have no basis to, to ground this theory. Uh, do you think there may even be some kind of Freudian uh, unconscious... Uh, worshipping of the, the, this is going to sound half woke but also half not yeah. like like yeah the kind of these are men yeah. who really uh admire masculinity and the yeah. the behaviors and values that come with that but are sexually attracted to women and so yes. you sort of have this kind of worship of the the penis there the that sort yes. of phallus yeah. the the That's figure it. and what it yeah. represents while also mm-hmm. being able to have sex with a woman do you think there exactly. may even be some kind of like a Freudian? Because again, like the guys I know mm-hmm. that have that are very, like they're quite hypermasculine, and I know a lot yeah. of guys who are, you know, fit that stereotype that may not necessarily be um, into trans women either, but they're into women who exhibit a lot of masculine traits, especially women who go to the gym and lift a lot and are quite muscular actually, mm. and uh, they're not that hyperfeminine kind of mm. kind of stereotype there so uh i find that sort of uh unpacking where that mm. attraction may come from very interesting to to, to yeah. theorize about and there's definitely nothing to be ashamed of i don't i don't there's nothing wrong with that yeah. at all uh go for it it's everyone says that but it's it's whatever current year it is do do what you want um no, that's a, that's a, but, I've actually seen that as a genuine reason as to why okay. there's so many different, and there's one that's the opposite of that, which is that, um, by having sexual relationships with, um, a transgender woman is that it is almost can come into sometimes a humiliation fetish where it's like, I am challenging my masculinity 
by engaging in this, which is as well with the same with the cross-dressing aspect of military men who always are often into cross-dressing. So it's that challenge to their own masculinity and subconscious. Yeah. I didn't know that. Um, so that, that was um, interesting. But the, the dark side, the flip side of that, you know, humiliation side is there's also a dominant aspect that can be prevalent in that, you know, trans the trans community is one of the most um, oppressed communities that we have. And there's a lot of violence that um, trans people face every single day. And that based on, you know, that, that perception that trans people um, or transphobic view that they are less than or lower or on the lower ranks of society. Oops. Um, Therefore, it's this domination thing. It's like the equivalent of people that have a slave fetish. Like, uh, you are lesser than me. Like, do what I say. So, yeah, really interesting. But then other people say there's a lot of research that just says it's just an attraction to a specific body part. Like, people might have an attraction to goths. People might have an attraction to just big, giant tits. Like, and people might have an attraction to penis on women. They all want it on, on women. Um... So it, it, it could very well just be that. Or some people are like, I don't like limbs and I have an amputee fetish, so which is also shockingly common. So yeah, I think well, it could be anything and you, he may not even really need to unpack yeah. why it's so common, B. Like it's it's, it's very really common. common. Yeah. yeah. And and there's no, we're just unpacking it because I think it's it, it could be interesting, but there's no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It may not be some form of darkness or <laughs> darkness. Yeah. You know, previous trauma that you mean to deal with or anything like that at all. It's just, I look, people are categorizing things too much now and, and making things yeah. a major part of their identity when, look, you're attracted to what you're attracted to. You exhibit whatever behaviors you want to exhibit. You don't necessarily need to um, put yourself in this clear, defined category and, and, and this is who I am and this is the group I'm a part of and this is what I'm attracted to and, and, and this is what the 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 group is like as well because these groups aren't monoliths either. Uh, there'd be plenty of uh, uh, views in any of the LGBTIQ communities that aren't necessarily uh, what you'd expect. And there's some great, uh, well, ironically, Vice, who I usually don't like. They did some, uh, uh, not documentary, sort of sit-down chats with people from an array of political perspectives of one, the LGBT community and the, and the um, uh, black community and the Latino community. And that was really interesting. Mm. So I'd recommend go watching that as well. And uh, I mean, sexual attraction is something that isn't always consistent either. You know, there's certain yes. things, certain types of women I was attracted to at 18 that I'm not attracted to now. And yeah. there's certain behaviors and, uh, ideas that people may espouse that I'm f- are fond of and even attracted to, and then there are some other others that I'm not. And and um, there is definitely a phenomenon where people can be sexually attracted to what makes them. There's a, there's a feeling associated yeah. with it, you know, what makes me feel a certain way. And I think we've we've touched on this previously with Especially things discomfort. like the yeah, and, and also like the male gaze and the female gaze, yeah. right? Like. It, it, whether it's essentialist and there are certain features that people are always attracted to or are there certain features that make people feel a certain way Mm. due to culture or due to certain even socioeconomic conditions. For example, in a lot of poorer countries, people who are really fat are quite attractive because 
it's a sign of prosperity. Mm. Uh, whereas in Western culture, that's not the case. Uh, for, 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 for most people, uh, not, not everyone, obviously, but uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it's a fascinating and obviously um, uh, unparalleled and impossible uh, issue to fully uh, grasp when you talk about how much culture influences sexual yeah. attraction and uh yeah uh, and even just our own biology like usually what happens is when you're in a state of arousal and all of a sudden you're exposed to something that like i said about the porn go, then yeah. it's embedded in you which you know everyone's had one of those experiences where you're having sex with someone and then they like spit in your face or or, or do something like that and then all of a sudden you're into it Mm. That's very particular and I not was. related to me. <laughs> but, you know, in your that's, face. that's in how the it mouth. is. That's one on TikTok now spit with that sound yeah. where it's like, I would never let a guy spit in my mouth. And then some <laughs> it shows celebrity or whatever, Chris yeah. Hemsworth, or that's good. You know, if it's comedy, it's some ugly guy. And then, yeah. Yeah. Ha-ha. It's like often, you know, very common one is, is pegging. Men are always like, no, no, no. Right, never. and then when it actually happens, they love then it. Then well, when it happens, the when they're already up there, aroused. Apparently, yeah. I've never done that either. The peace either, spot. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there you go. The peace spot, the prostate. And Yeah, <laughs> and they never go back. They love it. So mm. also, that kind of also makes me think as well, like, B, there's a lot of opportunities for you to explore this first just with your with your wife before you have to, well, you don't never have to, but before you even consider breaching out outside of porn like you know she can get a strap on or something very very realistic and you can see how that plays out in real life compared to just by on watching porn but a lot of people want to keep their fantasies from porn just on porn and that's probably more common than people that want to reenact it in real life yeah you got to be willing to make a few sacrifices here and there but also have uh clear lines that you know you you stand by and don't want crossed so uh, maybe if there is something that your partner really wants to try and maybe you, you, well, you're indifferent to it. It's not like you're aroused by it, but, um, if you want to, and it would make that person feel really good, go for it. You know, there's nothing yeah. wrong with, with doing that. It's not an affront to who you are as a person or what they, uh, who, who they are. Uh, it, it, to me, it feels like there are either couples like this, like B and, and his wife, which sound like very sexually open, and especially now, or I've, I've heard stories where a, a one, um, these are people in their late 20s, a, a, a woman suggested, hey, can I bring a vibrator into the bedroom? And it really oh, yeah. upset the man. And he <laughs> thought, you know, this is an affront to my yeah. uh, masculinity and, you know, I yep. should be the one pleasing you, not an not a object. Um, yeah. so it's this, it seems like there's, it's one or the other people are either really open or they just shy away from that and are too afraid to explore it. Or it depends. I, it honestly depends what it is. Like, I feel like if Adrian ever came to me with anything, I'd be like, yeah, fuck it. Let's try it. But I am also like a jealous person, I yeah. would think. And if he said to me, I'm like very specifically into threesomes. I take it personally. <laughs> I would be offended. I yeah. can't deny it. Rationally, I can think, hang on, everyone has sexual desires, blah, 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 blah. I might even have these desires, but no, as soon as it's out of his mouth, I'm offended until I can, you know, really work through that about it just being my own insecurity. But there's there's just certain things that some people, you know, can react fine to 90% things and, and then have 
a trigger or something that they that doesn't sit right with them or they look too much into it. Like, what does this mean? Do you want to open the relationship? Or, of course. And the other thing to consider as well is that when you breach a new like sexual adventure is that sometimes um, it can be, you can go too far. And, sure, the floodgates can open and then people yeah, can realize, like really oh, open. you're not actually right for me. And that is a very legitimate yeah, fear. Yeah, <laughs> which happens. And I've seen that happen a lot in in yeah. particular with a specific community like the... the uh, is it a vegan community? The, <laughs> the vegan, no. sexual vegan community. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the... I can't believe the names just escaped me. I'm thinking like Littles is the informal name or like people that find sexual gratification or pretending to be a child and having a caregiver... Um, and obviously there's a lot of reasons for where this can stem from and people might engage in it one time with their partner or their, their partner is like, fine, like we can try this. And then all of a sudden for that person, it is so fulfilling that they're like, I want to do this every time I have sex, every single time. So that's the only thing that you have to be cautious, which, which like you said before is very common in the kink and BDSM community where it's hard to go from having this rough king sex to then having, you know, sure. vanilla sex. And um, also if one partner is a bit more resistant, that probably exacerbates the attraction someone would have to yeah. whatever it may be because when there's that push and pull aspect, yes. for whatever reason, human nature uh, entails that we're then more attracted to something when it's just out of our grasp or it feels mm. uh, uncomfortable and, and, and naughty. Even something like BDSM community, I understand why people would want to say I'm part of that community. But look, everyone would have, would be on some kind of spectrum of rough sex to not rough sex. I mean, all these sort of like categories and groups and communities are like, as you know, I've been plant-based now for a couple of months and hell, I do this podcast. So technically I'm both, you know, part of the vegan community and I don't know, sex positive community, but I would distance myself so far from like categorizing myself as like, yeah, I'm a very uh, sexually open vegan. (laughs) I just would never never say that because of the stereotype associated with it, which I guess is unfortunate, but like it is what it is. Uh, So I I don't know. That's maybe a personal gripe I have with the constants. People want meaning and want communities. I understand that, but things, there can be an un- unintended consequence of that of sort of getting your back up and wanting to always protect mm. your community and, and, and not fully looking at statistics and trends and, and only looking at the things that paint your particular group or community in a certain light. So I just be, be wary of that sort of tribal mentality. Yes. Uh, um, I was going to say something about, um, oh, I can't remember. I think talking about the fantasy. Yeah. So when you said that you would be, Offended if Adrian said, uh, you know, I'm into threesomes. Uh, wouldn't it help? W- w- would you say sort of a healthy outlook for not just something like that, but any conversation would be like, I shouldn't let my offense uh, control what another person can or cannot say. So if yeah. if my girlfriend came to me and said, like, I'd want to have a foursome with two other guys, I'd say, all right, that's cool. I don't, I don't want to do that. And, you know... <laughs> We're not going to do that. Like, if you want to be with me, yeah. I can't do that. But, all right, cool. You told me I'm not going to get a. Off- I don't know. I've never been in that position, but I don't think I would get offended. I don't know. It probably would be a bit confronting to hear something like that. But, um, mm. wouldn't that be? I guess something we should we should aim to aim for in, in terms of response. Of course. And you know, like when I said that, of course, eventually, 
I will come to those very conclusions. And, you know, this I've only studied this for that many years that I should know that sexual desire and attraction, everyone has them. Everyone's going to be attracted to other people if they're in, in you know, in a relationship, etc. I know all these things, but I also have a very particular image painted of, you know, Adrian, he's, you know, he's fiercely loyal and committed and constantly saying like, you know, not saying, but almost indicating that no other girl compares. Like he doesn't say that we like go on about that, but Mm. it's just kind of that base of our relationship has always been for us, like very, very loyal and committed to one another. Um, Of course. So it'd be very out of character. And then all of a sudden he was, Yeah. yeah, he was like, oh, by the way, I also want to fuck this other girl, but with you, I would, my thought process would be like, this is not, like, who is this kind of thing? Right, and then right. it would shatter more than just being, like, jealousy. So, and that's the thing about humans, that they're ever-changing and ever-dynamic. And, you know, that's there's it. your rational yeah. brain and then there's your reactive brain. So my reaction would be, fuck this, like, no. And my rational brain would be like, it's still no, but I'm not upset at you. <laughs> sure. And I'm, 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 uh, that makes perfect sense. And people can also <laughs> change within a relationship, you know, if you, especially yeah. if you're with someone, you've been married to someone for yeah. 10, 20, 30 years, what they're attracted to at the start of that relationship almost certainly is not going to be exactly what they're attracted to. They're, com- they're a completely different human being, Yeah. Uh, especially if you, if you got married in your mid-20s and then you're in your mid-50s. I mean, you've lived more than half of your life since you met that person. So mm. uh, I would, I, I completely understand. I would just maybe be wary of painting that sort of, solidified picture in your mind of like, this is mm. who I'm with, this is exactly. who I'm married to and, and they'll always be like this. Because uh, you just set yourself up for failure. You just have to yeah. like grow as two separate plants. <laughs> Don't become yeah. one. Don't yeah. become enmeshed because the second they breach out or anything like that or have independent thoughts, it can be upsetting. And it's, a, it's you know, something that people can recognize. I have this toxic trait, but it's really about can you, how do you action yourself to stop being like that um, yeah. and allowing them to have their own thoughts, desires, actions, and things like that, that you don't get to decide everything that your partner does. Because they have, like you said, their entire life cannot be dictated by you in a long-term relationship. Or an image that you may have of them as yeah. well, because yeah. that's and that's so many young relationships. Even I did that, you know. Yeah. Uh, so many young relationships or relationships in general are sort of dictated by an image that one person has of the other person that they've projected yeah. onto them, and we all do that. I think that's what love is to a certain degree. Yeah, you all do it. We've all got it. Yeah. And yet, you sometimes have to uh, be listen more to your rational brain. Again, much easier said than done, uh, but a certain action that a partner could take shatters that image and you then need to come to this stark realization that okay that my partner's not a bad person the image i had of them was wrong yes the image i had of them was some form of um unconscious projection that yeah i uh, came from whatever experiences i may have had and how i've uh, ex- uh, uh interacted with them in the initial parts or the um current you know up up to date parts of the relationship um I, uh, this is somewhat related, but, uh, my, my girlfriend works at a, uh, a, uh, like a therapy clinic. Um, so she's the the receptionist there right now. She's, Mm. um, going to do her master's in psych. Well, she's hoping to do her master's in psychology next year. Big brain. 
yet would you expect anything else? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, she said someone called. This actually broke my heart. This was really sad. Someone called saying, I was married to someone and then they wanted to be polyamorous. So I afforded them that opportunity and they're now leaving me for that other person. And I, oh, yeah, that's uh, that's that, that really hearing well. that was so hurtful because that person's probably, maybe they didn't even want to be polyamorous and they thought, all right, for the sake of the relationship, I want to yes, yeah. be, you know, sacrifice some of my own feelings of comfort to give this person the opportunity that to, to fulfill themselves. And, and then they've ended up, ended up extremely hurt. And, and there's always that tension in any relationship where like, all right, how much do I need to sacrifice to allow this person that I love to mm. fulfill themselves whilst also still, uh, you know, uh, standing up for what I don't want them to do. And that's not an easy line. To, that's not an easy tightrope to tiptoe across yeah. sometimes. And this person, unfortunately, I mean, but then again, you, you, you may think, all right, if, if she had not allowed him to explore that, there would have just been so much resentment. The marriage would have ended anyway. You, you don't know. At the same time, maybe then he would have realized, all right, no, that's not necessarily what I want. Mm. And, and I'm happy with where we are now. So, God, that just hearing that. And, and there probably are a lot of stories like that nowadays. Mm. where uh, people have maybe opened up a relationship or tried things but tried maybe just a bit too many things and yeah. <laughs> it's broken the the mm. marriage. And, uh, yeah, you, you have to tread cautiously with these sorts of things. So that – and that relates to B as well when you – when you it's, it's great that you guys are exploring all this stuff but just just tread very carefully as well and maybe have, and have periods where you then yeah. – just go back to the the vanilla that what you were doing before and and mm. to ensure that you can still have a good relationship with just doing that and then occasionally uh have that that treat if you will or the 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 special yeah. occasion but you but yeah. see it like that I, I again this is just I'm not the therapist here but that just seems intuitive yeah, to me I'm I'm totally open to be proven wrong here but uh just just be very very cautious with this sort of stuff but have fun. Yeah, of course. Have cautious fun. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's going to be my new slogan. <laughs> <laughs> have cautious fun. How fun can it be if it's cautious? I guess that's the next question. <laughs> question. And if a partner is going to, look, try and just li like be open to that. Understand that your partner, look, it, it is a bit of illusion to expect them to only ever be sexually attracted to you for the rest of your life. I mean, that's, I think. For some yeah. people, it's it's real, but I don't know. I I yeah. personally think that's a that's a fancy. I'm well. I'm sure my girlfriend's going to be attracted to some. You know, if she goes to that, what's that show, Magic Mike or whatever. Um, you know, even though yeah. I always, but maybe that's the male gaze, and it's more not just about yeah, the physicality. Yeah, you'd be more there, attractive sure. than she is. <laughs> yeah, who knows? But. Uh, Look, the point is, like, I, I'm sure she is going to have feelings of attraction to other people, but yeah. that doesn't say anything about how attractive I am, how good our yeah. relationship may be, uh, and and what I'm willing to listen to her say. If she, I want to try and cultivate a space where we're very open and can talk about things, but also have the confidence and and self esteem to say, "All oh, right, I'm glad you told me about that. I don't want to do it." Yeah. <laughs> so that I yeah. think. Um, Exactly. That's what I'm aiming for. 
um, of course, we'll report back to see if it worked. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. And for the partners, never feel obligated to fulfill someone else's fantasy. Yeah, it's not life or death if you can't engage in it, and it's up to them. Balls in their court if they're like, "Well, I'll stay in this relationship or I won't." But that's not up to you to have to do something you're very uncomfortable with. But if you're open to it, amazing, perfect. But if not, like you don't have to sacrifice or negotiate on something that is really deeply unsettling or uncomfortable to you. And then if you don't want to be pissed in the eye. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, good luck if you do. Um, uh, but uh, also then don't get all resentful and, and pout about yeah, it and hold it against someone. them. If they've, if they've said no, accept it and move on and then make yeah. the decision. Okay. Then maybe you do have to decide, all right, do I want to be with someone who doesn't want to do that? And then if, if that's a decision you have to make, do it. But the worst thing is then hang on and be all resentful mm. towards them. That's exactly. like, so that just even thinking about that <laughs> triggers me. So um, except uh, if your partner doesn't want to engage in a certain fantasy and if you love that person, you, 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 you know, you, you'll, understand try and understand that and 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 sacrifice that desire you may have for the sake of that person in the relationship uh but yeah don't hold on to any sort of well if you are it maybe that's something to work on i don't everyone does to some degree um mm. do you want to end up like what do you think of that uh the, the, the you know res the phenomenon of a lot of partners resenting the other one because Maybe one is more interested in sex than the other, or the other isn't as oh, sexually mate. adventurous as the other, because that is a very, very common yeah. phenomenon, and especially in longer-term marriages. Uh, yeah. How do you avoid that? How do you not, as concisely as you can, maybe in, in a couple of I minutes can't, here? But I can't yeah, do it concisely. Too, right. <laughs> it's too much. <laughs> too much right. to unpack in that. Like, there's so many factors to it. But it's really okay. just about your own like self development, I think. Like, see, that's that's the concise answer, which is really shit. So, let's do it next week or something. Well, you're not wrong. Yeah, it's it's more on you than if you think yeah. it's the other person. It's probably probably not always probably more on you. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we covered. Yeah. Thanks, B. Covered that a lot good. of that. So to to summarize. Um, yeah, we, we spoke a lot about the communication. I think we touched on that the most. And um, with the, would I, yeah, look, with the trans attraction, talked about that. And when we're watching the porn together, we talked about that. that was a really good question. Yeah. That was one of our best questions. I had he a good run it, of I podcasts. I love when people too. send in the juicy questions like that. That's good. The little essays. Yeah. My favorite. That one was really, really good. So uh, if you have a question, neilcohacker.com slash podcasts uh, or goes to charity. Thank you for everyone who has sent in questions already and keep them coming. Uh, reference our podcast in your online dating profile, oh, yeah. screenshot it, send it to Eliza. And if you, if you come across any uh, on whatever app you're using, send it to Eliza as well. Send it to me just with a hashtag at the start or something. And... Uh, Hopefully we can start a trend of uh, everyone being intrigued by what the hell sex sells may be while they're on, you know, traversing the, the Who apps. knows what love you will find. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you need things in common, as uh, everyone always says, and this is a perfect thing to have in common. 
So exactly. Uh, thank you to whoever that. If that person is listening, and and has that bio, please message one of us because yeah. that is uh, amazing. Thank you for putting that in your or prompt or whatever the hinge thing is. So uh, thank you for listening, everyone. We'll uh, we'll see you next week. Weekly see shows in Sydney week. if you're in Sydney, and thank you. Bye.